birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to the Gay Lords of Darkness. That is us. Baby is one year old and baby will kill you. Baby. <laughs> baby will kill you. <laughs> That's my baby. That's a pretty good baby. Thank you. A method. Yeah. Uh, ew. What? Uh, I'm just imagining you sitting there solely in a diaper. Stacy, thank you. I have been working for this diaper sponsorship for years. <laughs> Do you like my bonnet? Get diaped. <laughs> I'm diaped up. All diaped up. Get diaped. <laughs> With diapes. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, that's a billion dollar idea. Cool it's adult brilliant. diapers. Cool adult diapers. Dipes. D-Y-P-Z. <laughs> Dipes. And they have like tiger stripes on them. Yeah, like flames on denim, kind of. Yeah, they're like those pants, those jubas or whatever they are. Uh, Is that what Excuse they are? me? Those T-Bas? <laughs> what? T-Bas? <laughs> what are those pants? You know the ones. The you wear je- them. Jeggings. No, not jeggings. J-Bas? Uh, no, no. I wear them? What do the, I wear? <laughs> <laughs> the pants that like weightlifters wear that have the patterns and they were cool for a time. Oh, like they, they're like green and they have zigzags on them and stuff. They have zigzags and like Lots animal of stripes. And they're and... like puffy, like baggy. And then so men with like mullets will wear those pants and a tank top or a tight t-shirt. Yeah, and a good gold chain. Yeah, those pants. That's what I'm yeah. thinking. That's what the diapers will look but like. But dipes. But dipes. Dipes. That way, maybe you pee your pants. Okay. <laughs> Should there be a shame in that? No. Should there be a shame in buying diapers for yourself? No. So no. imagine if the diapers were cool, is what I'm saying. Yeah, like a sexy diape. Sexy. And it was like, a cool thing to, like, get diaped. They tried cool. to do this on Real Housewives when, well, Lisa Renna, you know, did that Depends ad. And they showed her on the red carpet <laughs> and her Depends. And she looked fantastic. But they still, you know, you know, underneath, she's wearing a big old clunky, ugly Depend. Exactly. But what if that depend was hot? What if the depend was hot? I want to capture like that energy drink vibe. Yeah, like, like like a like a like oh well, Surge monster. was like thirty years ago. Yeah, monster like a right like the Axe body spray of diapers. Exactly, I'm telling you, man, we're gonna get rich off this. This is why aren't we on that Shark Tank show? Why are we busy? Why are we? Why are we doing are we our here? year-long anniversary? Who cares about that when we have money waiting to be put in the bank or whatever? We should be on fucking Shark Tank. We should be on Shark Tank. Listen, Jason Blum, we have a hot idea for when you burst into the garment industry. Mm-hmm. It can be yours for fifty dollars, Venmo or PayPal. And imagine it being like, Dipes, the official diaper of the NFL or whatever. (laughs) You could have like, you could get team branding on there. (laughs) And then when they do the locker room interviews later, they're all standing there in their diapers. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Maybe they could play in their diapers. And then if they have to pee during fourth down or whatever, they can just go. Oh, 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 wow. Um, Mm -hmm. uh. It's I'm, for I'm, cool people and perverts alike that want to sit in the audience <laughs> and imagine I'm, the football players pee in their pants. 
I don't know. This is doing something to me. I'm, just... I'm telling you. Stacy, I would like to point out that this is our, our one year anniversary and we spent the first five minutes of it talking about sexy diapers. <laughs> <laughs> We've shown a lot of growth over the year. That's for Clearly, sure. Clearly, everything is going according to plan here. Yeah. <laughs> Stately Gaylord's Manor. Oh my God, are we entering season two? That means next <gasps> week, are we going to call it a season? We're Gaylords 2.0. A year. A year. And this is the end of which month? Oh, alas, which month comes to a close with, with, uh, I mean, do we tell them what we're talking about today? Did you think, listener, and yes, I am making a hand gesture right now. I feel pointed at. I'm pointing at all of you and moving my head around. Did you think that our one year anniversary at the end of which month that we would not be talking about Suspiria because guess what motherfuckers (laughs) surprise (laughs) that rug you stepped on was covering up a pit and in that pit is nothing but Suspiria (laughs) nothing but Suspiria Blu-rays baby ow owie yeah. Oh man, what a time to be alive! I bet how many people just pressed stop. I know, their, just ended it on their iPods. <laughs> they, well, they had to take off the internet fingers first, and then <laughs> yeah, they just they were like, "Are you fucking kidding me? I'm out of here, man." <laughs> That's fine. Well, I'll talk into the air. I don't care. It's only our fifteenth episode about Suspiria. It's only the eight millionth time we're mentioning it. It's practically, I mean, this is our one year anniversary, but it's also just one month short of a year, more or less, since we saw Suspiria. Since since it's, since this first happened to us, since since Suspiria saw us, since we met um, at the top of the Space Needle at dinner <laughs> and the fireworks went off behind us. I have to say, like, as I was watching Suspiria again for the 57th time. And still convinced that this is the best movie made in, like, the last 30 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because I love it so much and have nothing but love and nothing but respect for it. Um, I was wondering, Stacy Ponder, can you even remember slash imagine what life was like before we saw this movie? I can't. I don't, like, I was not a whole person, I don't think. My my vestigial baby arms hadn't sprouted yet. If anything, you were a whole of a person. You were a, oh, a void. Oh, clever. Uh? Yeah, watching, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know how many times I've watched it at this point or thought about it or watched a part of it or something. But watching it again for this episode of the show, um, I even... I still like I'm still completely obsessed with it obviously but I'm I still got new things out of it. It sounds crazy, but I was still yes. getting new things out of it. It affected me emotionally probably more than it ever has before in my life. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like a year in, how do I feel about it? I just feel like death to any other movie. Oh, thank you. You know, it just it really breaks my heart that it flopped so badly and so many people don't like it. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Because I truly, truly think it's just a, a masterpiece. I've said it so many times, but my God, this fucking movie. As I was watching it last night, I was also having flashbacks to every time I've had to justify my love for this movie, uh, Madonna style, to anybody else. <laughs> um, or, you know, the people saying, oh, you liked that movie? Or, or the, I mean, when I say people, I mean men on the internet. <laughs> right. Because this, I just, I truly have... I, there are parts of my psyche in this film. Yeah. And since having seen it, since experiencing it and being floored by it the first time, my, I, I have become, it's like, it's, is it true that coral is the only foreign substance that like you can put in your body that your body will incorporate into it? Is that true? I don't, I've never heard that before. That's how I feel about Suspiria. It is part of me. It is inside mm-hmm. me now. <laughs> I agree with like it sounds crazy, but I totally agree with that. Yeah, um, I've never been. I mean, I've said it a million times. I don't, I'm sorry if I repeat myself from our past episodes on Suspiria and our past episodes in general. But I've just <laughs> in which nev- we've never talked about it. <laughs> yeah, we've mentioned it so many times. But I've never felt such a connection with a certainly with a film but like with any piece of art before oh yeah 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 absolutely 100 percent same i'm politically aesthetically uh actressly acting choices wise uh script wise music it's on all on all fronts i i feel like i'm like it's holding my hand yeah you know she she's she's putting her hands on my feet <laughs> sending little light beams up to yeah. me. Yeah, that movie grabbed me and put little dots of light on all of my limbs. Or something. Yeah. And and then we seized and puked a little. Yeah, but it's worth it, you know. I don't know. It is. <laughs> I guess for I guess for new listeners mm-hmm. we should probably explain to them that we are we are speaking today at nauseum about Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria circa two thousand eighteen. So long ago already. I know, so long ago. Oh my gosh. I, I just, you know, a friend of mine, uh, some friends of mine were taking a road trip and they texted me and they're like, we're going to listen to Gaylords on the way. Like, which episodes should, should we listen to? And I recommended a few. It was really hard because, like, I don't remember what we talked about or when we talked about things or whatever. They asked, like, when did you talk about Suspiria? And I was like, Pfft every fucking episode <laughs> when didn't we talk about when Suspiria? didn't we but i said well the first episode where we talked about it was like number seven or whatever and then we talked about it with a guest colin drucker blah 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 and so they listened to the first one i guess and then i was i got a text and it was like if suspiria is the price we have to pay for trump like you said then fuck <laughs> you <laughs> And I'm like, I know, fuck, fuck us for that thought, but also like, it's worth it. <laughs> fuck it, fucketh us. <laughs> fucketh us. It is like, worth it. It is the, worth it. It's the highlight of this horrible timeline that we're in. You know, it's the one uplifting thing we got. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, what else is there? Mm-hmm. Since everything changed. That is wild that this is, we're almost at, that that film was at like the halfway point in this presidency. Right. Uh, and we're almost, we're almost to the conclusion of, um, well, what I think is the yeah, first part. Part one. Part yeah, one. part one. 
part yeah. one. Which this was originally also Suspiria part one we, we uh, referenced before. You know, that... Uh, I know I sent you a message at one point that I was like... Just, I was just like, where, where? I'm so sad that it flopped because we're never gonna get anything else. No, no I don't. Gonna... I don't. I don't think I ever realized how badly it flopped in terms of money. Uh, but it really did. Uh, I just because it's such a uh, God. I just love this movie. <laughs> I know that's like <laughs> what happens to me when I talk about it. But I just this time watching it, I was struck by how smart the script is in oh. ter- in terms of weaving themes through it, in terms of foreshadowing, in terms of ideas being addressed in multiple ways throughout the script. Yes. Um, like it's such a smart fucking script and I've seen a lot of criticisms of it that were like it has a lot of half-baked political ideas and you know it, it throws Does out it? all these threads about politics but they don't go anywhere and I just don't Do think that, I just don't think that that's true no I think I think it is a absolutely brilliant comments on 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 everything that we are going through and everything that we have collectively as as a culture of a western culture gone through <laughs> yeah. i mean susie's line you know uh the mess out there the mess in here the one that's yet to come the one that's right. coming and then why is everyone so, why why is everyone so ready to think the worst is over like it's just just that just that that the initial premise of taking suspiria and setting it in the actual year that it was originally filmed and set in, in the Dario Argento, Dario Nicolodi film, mm-hmm. 1977, like, and exploiting that and making it about the German autumn, mm-hmm. and yet also making it about what we're experiencing in the United States of America today. <laughs> like, imagine that storytelling right. that tells us where we're going and mirrors our collective experience. Um I, for my notes this time, because I, I take notes every time we watch a movie, uh, this time I literally just wrote down lines. Because mm, I wrote lines down of dialogue, lines. Lines of dialogue, <laughs> lines I would see written in notebooks. Um, because this film, yet like you said, this script, David Kajnaj... <laughs> exactly. Kajnaj, his script, this script is... it's absolutely brilliant and that's why Mm -hmm. i'm done we've seen we saw a rougher version of the script we found one from i'm guessing like a first draft it's a very very early draft yeah and it's very different than what's on the screen yeah there's some similar there's similar flowing of plot and ideas and you get to see a little bit of some character motivations that you might not have anticipated um you get more a little bit more insights at least in this earlier draft of what what's happening but I want to find the the actual shooting script. And I wonder how much of it was the screenwriter and how much of it was Luca and how much of it was the actors. Um, This script is absolutely stunningly brilliant. Mm -hmm. There are so many lines that just hit you. Not just just structure-wise, like in terms of how the story is built and told, but the, the lines that are spoken just slap you upside the face so so many times yeah no it's true it's true i know we've talked a lot about in past episodes on it about how it reflects our current political situation and how you know 
Marcos is like the very old guard. And yeah. Blanc was kind of the new guard, who essentially is the old guard, just in a prettier package. She's and Hillary how, Clinton. She's Hillary Clinton. And how Susie Banyan is AOC. Alexandria yes. Ocasio-Cortez, who comes in and fucks everything up. And I realized watching it this time, how that idea in a microcosm is presented in the scene where Susie has started to rehearse as the protagonist. And, you know, Marcos is under the floor and Susie gets horny for the floor <laughs> and all of that. And it's when she has to start jumping. But Susie wants to stay on the ground. And she argues very articulately why at that point in the production, her like she should be on the ground versus later bursting up and doesn't it fit in. And she's basically telling Blanc how to improve her own piece. Yeah, she's telling the choreographer. She's telling the your choreographer. Your work is wrong. <laughs> your work is wrong. This is how your work could be improved. And, you know, Blanc then makes a very convincing counter argument about you don't know what we had to go through to make this piece happen. But mm-hmm. we learned how to balance things. Mm-hmm. And that just struck me as like so Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> Oh, it's like, absolutely. You, you know, the whole, like, like, the way we have done politics in America is to appeal to across the aisle. Yeah. You know, and like, that's how we've had to get by and just how we're past that. And Susie is past that. And then what happens when they perform folk? She goes off book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She starts improvising. She starts improvising and she's like, your old way fucking doesn't work. I'm going to do what I want. And it's so beautiful. And I just love her. The end. (laughs) This was my book report. (laughs) This is my book report by Stacey. Susie, I love Susie. The end. I am so happy that you're still mayor of the sovereign nation of Dakota Stan. Oh, my God. Uh, She's perfect queen. Yeah, it's that that moment is... um, it's 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 doing exactly that 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 sense of of Nancy Pelosi slash Hillary Clinton slash who let, don't get me wrong important formative political queens. Um, it's very Joe Biden. You, well, he's makes me I mean, much more queasy you know, than they much do. Of, oh, <laughs> for sure. But you know that whole like no, we can't like upset the other side. It's there's still a respectability in a in a system where respectability has no longer exists. It's gone out the window, right. and right. it's the same with this sense of the rule book. Nancy Pelosi is still trying to appeal to the rule book. Mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton was still trying to lead by the rule book. Um, Madame Blanc is still following the rules. That's why she ascribes to the system in which you know, according to the vote, even though she was running to oppose Mother Marcos question mark if she's actually a mother at this time. Uh, she, she loses and yet, you know, let no one's vote be held against her. And now they return to just the status quo because that is how democracy is enacted in, uh, under this rule system. But the rules, these witches, like they said, not, this has never been done successfully in their lifetime. They're making it up as they go. They're terrified and their system is broken. The Your system book, is completely broken. The rule book is completely thrown out. It doesn't exist anymore. Susie is there to try not even rules, but to just try a different way of functioning, a different way of presenting, and a different way of living and working in this company. Um, and one of, one of them comments early on, like because they've been trying this to heal 
Marcos. And I mean, Blanc does make the point if she actually was Mother Superiorum, we wouldn't even need this. Mm-hmm. She, you know, she wouldn't be rotting if she actually says who she is. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, th- I thought we agreed to stop calling her that. <laughs> we agreed to stop calling her that, but they're all still in it, you know, in for a penny and for a baby arm. And <laughs> one of them says at one point, if Marcos dies, this company is finished. It's like Marcos, who's not even there in the day to day at this point, has them so wrapped up in her as like dear leader. Yeah. That they're terrified of any new way of doing things because without her, what could we do? And that's just so like what like Trump voters are like. They've oh, absolutely. To, to look at him as this savior of them. And I mean, Marcos is the past. She's 800 years old. <laughs> right. Um, they're appealing to a past that uh, never existed. That I mean, she is a false leader. Um, mm-hmm. she represents this, this idea of the past and this, this better past, um, the glory days of the dance company. Uh, but she was still, she was still a, a, a red herring. She, she isn't actually, she isn't the mother. She is the false leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone is still trying to uphold and go back to that old ethic and that standard and keep her alive, even though she is a rotting, desiccated living corpse. Um, right. A monster who who knows how many women have died and been sacrificed to to keep her alive. Right. Uh, and yet, you know, it's 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 very also not just Trump, but also just people that default to this idea of the founding fathers. The founding fathers did this. The founding fathers believed this. Right. And we, mm-hmm. we need to fall like constitutionalists, too. It's like, what if we threw all that shit out? Because that was written by racist, um, genocidal slave owners. <laughs> right. Like why are we appealing to what they would have done? Because they also would have literally enslaved an entire continent um, and also murdered an entire continent. It was hundreds of years ago. Like, they did things differently. They had different needs and different ideals. Yeah, you'd and hope, honestly, You'd hope, I mean... If, you know. if all y'all are like, oh, I don't understand what they were talking about in The Witch, they ta- their big accents were too complicated, then why would you <laughs> want to follow their rule book? <laughs> It's so true. It's so true. It's so true. And I mean, on the one hand, Trump is basically throwing all of that out because he thinks he's above the Constitution. Yeah, yeah. But, well, and that's uh, that's the thing is he he was he was coming back to the, it was it was that false that false revolutionary the false um, the false politician who's like oh we're gonna do everything different we're gonna drain the swamp but he's enacting the exact same bullshit just to an, an even worse degree than has ever we, mm-hmm. we've ever seen uh it, contemporarily at least yeah so when when people are like oh the political ideas are half-baked i'm like are they though or is this articulating something that like other movies aren't like whatever that movie with the where it was going to be wealthy people hunting another one of those danger most dangerous games the one that just got canceled. yeah 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 like is that what it needs to be for people to be like oh this is a very astute political commentary where you have <laughs> conservatives <laughs> shooting liberals or vice versa like that and you need to be slapped in the fucking face with it before you get it whereas this is like this is so beautifully articulates what we're going through it's poetic um it relies on art it relies on dance to tell the story uh to Mm -hmm. finish telling the story to complete what we what we gain from it it relies on glances from expression there's so many 
so much information is conveyed just through the way that uh, Blanc and Susie look at each other. Oh my god, they're so in love with each they're other. They're so in love. I never, I mean, I've I've zeroed in on it before, but just like watching it again, I'm like, there is, how is, how is nobody talking about the deep faggotry love story of this movie? Um, raises, raises hand. <laughs> raises hand. Um, actually. <laughs> actually, deep fucking faggotry in this movie. Oh my God. The, like, it, this movie is so many things that we've talked about. And we'll talk about in all of that. But I just need to say time out. That we need to move into another lane for a moment. The deep faggotry of this film. It is such a fucking love story between these two characters. It's insane. And no one talks about it in terms of queer horror or anything remotely like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's completing Luca's love trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. Starting with the one that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> Strange title. Yeah, yeah. He, well, he's Italian, Stacy. Oh, okay. the translation is weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. It just doesn't always. It doesn't always. It's like that Sofia Coppola movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, call me by your name. And now Suspiria is the third one. I am love. That was the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like I mean I don't even have time to talk about all the ways. I will. I have. We have a lot of Suspiria announcements to make. There's a and lot. There's a lot of content today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I will. So at another place and another time, I will be going into the love story. But Jesus Christ, if you're looking out for it, if you have gay eyeballs, maybe people with straight eyeballs are like, well, they're just pals. Because, you know, pe- <laughs> women could be finger fucking each other and they'd be like, well, don't women just do that? They're sisters. They're like <laughs> sisters. Girls just do that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but my God, throughout this movie, and if you need only one scene to kind of to reference, which there are so many scenes to reference, but the the Me Too dinner at the end. The, the Me fun- Too dinner. <laughs> oh, where everyone just goes balls to the wall, Me Too. Yeah, at the end, like right before the Sabbath, when the witches have taken uh, the dancers out for dinner, and they're like putting the spell on them so they can do the Sabbath. Tanner is like all up in, um... Vendegast is all, like, they're all yeah, over they're these all girls. Just, they're all just liquefying on them. Yeah, and so when they go in, Susie sits down in the seat next to Vendegast. I'm sorry, the Me Too dinner. <laughs> I mean it is. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Susie sits down next to Vendegast. And then within a moment, she gets and moves to the seat at the head of the table across from Blanc. And they spend the entire dinner just staring at each other. Telekinetically fucking is what I Telekinetically think. fucking through this whole thing. Uh, <laughs> it's really nicely done that uh, the sort of sounds and the singing, because everybody's singing this German song as they're rubbing all over each other. The music kind of fades away or becomes like tinny. And so you're just like, Blanc and Susie are just there. It's. It might as well just be the two. It's of them just them. them. It could just be them in a black hole. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And that's just one of many scenes throughout this film. 
I'm just, I'm just telling you, honey, this is such a queer love story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it could not be, it could not be more of one. It is. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, oh, it's everything I want a movie to be. <laughs> I love this movie so much. Stacy, before we jump any further. Yes. It's been a while since we've had any sponsored content because I think, um, I think our, our, our recent diatribes about masturbating and peeing on ourselves has really kind of <laughs> distanced our sponsors. It has, it has. Um, but, you know, at a year, at, you know, people were still saying we need, we want in on the year long. Yeah, we know that at least six people are going to be listening to your anniversary episode. Yes, we we, we did. Want in. We did some demographics and some audience testing, and we we saw that since you're talking about this movie that absolutely tanked worldwide. <laughs> oh God! That a very small coven of people love very very much. We want to appeal to that demographic. Mm-hmm. And so, with that said, <laughs> with that said, enjoy some uh, sponsored content. Yay! <laughs> Being an 800-year-old coffin leader isn't easy, let alone doing it in style. But thanks to a brand merger, now you too can find just the right amount of festive fascist eyewear at Helena Marcos Sunglass Hut. Whether you're looking for the perfect accessory for the beach, UV protection, or to transfer your immortal essence into the husk of a nubile young movement artist, Helena Marcos Sunglass Hut has just what you're looking for. Simply ask one of our many satisfied customers, like Patricia. She took my eyes. All this and more awaits you at Helena Marco's Sunglass Hut. And remember, this isn't vanity. This is savings. Suspiria. I love Suspiria. <laughs> I really love Suspiria. It's my favorite. It's I. I truly think it's the greatest movie of our time. <laughs> I'm so glad we're on the same page. Yeah. Like I think it's you know, and if people are listening to this and being like, or checked out, and will never hear this, whatever. But if they're like, you know, really, they're going to talk about Suspiria again. Like, are you not obsessed with some some piece of art? You should be. And you should be obsessed with Suspiria. And it should be Suspiria, but I get it. There are people who don't feel that way. Let me tell you, Jason Davis, who saw the movie like three times with me and also loved it, dear sweet Jason Edward Davis, this morning, what does he say to me? He says, so are you really going to have anything new to say about Suspiria? (gasps) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm living in a wow. bachelor pad now, Stacey. Wow. Divorce papers have been filed and signed and Good. submitted. Yeah. Good. Because I was wondering, uh, you know, I honestly had that same thought when we first started talking about 
doing this episode, I had that thought because it had it hadn't been a while since I thought about the movie. I think about the movie all the time. But when I thought about our other episodes, I was like, what am I going to say about this movie? And then I watched it and I have five pages of notes. <laughs> <laughs> like this movie, just every time I see it, I'm affected by something new or yeah. I notice something new or it's just a never ending uh, pit of, you know, stuff. Of Suspiria Blu-rays. Of Suspiria Blu-rays. Like, I just can't get enough of it. And yes, I'm obsessed. Love it or leave it, baby. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> Can we talk about the fact that Madame Blanc's first name is Viva? Viva Blanc. I mean, that's all. What's Viva. her nationality? Who knows? French? <laughs> She's French, Scottish, English, <laughs> German. <laughs> I mean, Blanc is French, but where? Is, but she has. She's British, but she's French. Right. But she right. teaches in a German school, speaking English. Right. Who knows? Maybe there'll be a prequel. We'll never know. It's so complex. I need a prequel to tell me everything. <sighs> Why did she decide to start wearing her hair like that? I need a prequel to tell me. <laughs> Well, okay, so I know that, like, you know, that Tilda Swinton plays the three roles in this. And, you know, we've talked about all three roles plenty. Wait, I heard that Lutz Ebersdorf played. That's um, true. That's true. It is, which is the true fact of the thing, is that Lutz Ebersdorf played Dr. Klemperer, but Tilda Swinton plays Lutz Ebersdorf. Playing Dr. Klemperer. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but her three, I was really struck this time by just how fucking good she is in this movie uh. and how all three roles, like we all know that it's her under all that latex for the other ones, but how good she is at differentiating these characters aside from the obvious physical differences. I mean, the only thing that they share is you can hear bits of her, of her intonations and her speech patterns in there. Mm-hmm. But she is a different fucking character every single time. The physicality is oh. insane. Like especially, it's especially evident between Klemperer and Blanc because they actually get up and move around. Unlike yeah, yeah well, Marco. <laughs> hey, Marco stands up. At she one does point. stand up. Good, good for her, and good for her <laughs> standing up. That was her um, uh, Doctor Strange Love I Can Walk moment. Yeah, yeah. But the little touches with Klemperer especially are just. Mm. Um, I love that man, even though he is one of the most divisive elements of this movie. He is. He shouldn't be, but he is. Yeah. Um, but just the way he shuffles or a little noise, like getting up and sitting down. Mm-hmm. And at, like she's just good at acting old <laughs> which sounds so ridiculous but it's like it's not just about the makeup yeah it, it's about everything she does and that little thing that she does when he goes to the police station and says to one of the officers like we've met before you helped me when i was looking for my wife when he does that and he turns to leave and he does a little tap on his chest, a little chest pound yeah I, I just love it. I was so affected this time by his story. And the fact that anybody thinks it's totally extraneous and the movie drags when he's on and then he should be cut out just drives me crazy. 
It's fucking bonkers to me because he, his story, I mean, yes, there's a love story between Blanc and Marcos. There is a horror story with, uh, <laughs> yes, there's a love story between Blanc and Banyan. <laughs> between Blanc and Susie, there is a love story. There is a horror story with the, with the core of the Marcos story and the coven. Um, there is a mystery between Susie and Patricia and Olga and Sarah but then the heart of the movie, the entire, the, 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 the fragility of life and of this world and of politics and, and how that affects the freedom of people to live their lives and to love, the whole soul of the movie rests in Klimperer's story with, and his love with Anka Meyer. Mm-hmm. It um, really to does. The, to the point that literally, I, I mean, I said it on our, both of our last episodes about this show and it's still a year later it's still true i can't see anka meyer without weeping every time she shows up even thinking about her it's it's such a tragedy and it's 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 so crucial that the movie that she her story is representative of the the specter of the holocaust mm-hmm um, God, and Jessica Harper is so fucking good in this. Man, she fucking nails that German. She kills it for such a small part. It's such an essential part. And she fucking kills it. And I'm so glad that it's her. It could not be better cast because it brings all... I mean, back in the day, I was saying, let's... I Like in our first episode, when we were talking about the trailer. <laughs> and, yeah. and I need to re-listen to that. I should have re-listened to that for this to see how off we were, you know. But I never re-listen to anything we do. I know. I know. Just let it happen and put it in a box and lock it away. Like she says in the hours, put it in a box, lock it away, then put rocks in your dress, drown yourself in the river. But, <laughs> but like, I wanted, I wanted, I was hoping Jessica Harper would be Marcos because I didn't know Tilda was playing more than one role at that point. Um, she, that, that would, could never have worked. And she's so perfect. She... Because we bring all of our associations and our love for her as an actor and her and her, you know, our familiarity of, of her as the original Susie Banyan. We bring all of that to mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't feel like any other time they do a remake or a reboot and they're like, oh, this time let's let um, Andrea Martin show up in Black Christmas, you know? Right. Like it's it it's it serves the, the, the film so well to have her mm-hmm. in that role. Yeah. And it helps that, it, not just that it's her, but that she is a brilliant fucking actor. She's so good. She's just, she's so perfect. Somehow, I mean, like, so strong and also so, like, sweet and kind at the same time, which is what I love about her in the original Suspiria and her character. Yeah, yeah. Is that she manages to, like, embody both of them mm-hmm. at the same time. It's like you almost want to take care of this doe-eyed like kind young woman but she doesn't fucking need you to no no you know i just love that i just love that's one of her strengths as an actor i think and and to that end i mean anka meyer we we are presented with the memory of her we have her portrait that we see in klimperer's office uh that is a much like the memory of anka the portrait itself is a very precious thing, so that in the in the beginning, when Patricia slams it down and shatters the the frame, the glass frame, um, you see how that affects Klimperer. 
and what kind of a, a small or a, what a slight that was for Patricia to do that, even though she was just looking out for herself because Marcos is looking through any portraits in the room mm-hmm. and watching. But but uh, Anka Meyer has to be this precious, fragile uh thing that that is that is meant to be protected and and to be mourned over um but there's also to go with that end of the strength you're talking about the only time we actually meet her she is uh she is a spell um she is she is a a tool created by the witches to manipulate klimperer so there has to be kind of a cruelty to her too Mm mm-hmm and even though Jessica Harper is just there smiling and kissing him and walking alongside him, and she's sad and, and beautiful and very present with him, there also is, knowing it later, that this is just a hallucination. This is just a um, a, a smokescreen made by the witches to lure him to the, to, the, to the dance company. Like, she somehow brings that into the role, too. Mm-hmm. I love her. <laughs> And Anka also, like, we don't see it on screen, but, you know, you talk about how she's to be mourned over and she's this fragile thing and, you know, her beauty is preserved in the picture and we just have her as, you know, Klemperer's little doll almost in these images. But then at the in the epilogue where Susie comes into his room and tells him the story of what happened to her. Anka went south on her own. Mm-hmm. And that when the witches bring him to the Sabbath to be the witness, they say, like, you had years to get her out of Berlin. Yep. And you didn't do it. And that's, you know, part of where his guilt comes from. But then, like Susie says, eventually she just fucking left on her own. Yeah. You weren't taking care of her. She was scared. And so she took matters into her own hands. And yeah. ultimately, it didn't work out, but... You know, she had the strength to be like, fine, I'll just fucking go myself then. Yeah. Yeah. As much as she loved him, like it was her mm-hmm. life or their or their being together. Yeah. Yeah. I just I was struck by how sad it is. His little and how it also just parallels like the general idea of these being witches and their rituals and all of that, like his little rituals, mm-hmm. his, pil- his pilgrimage of going to the country house probably every week he goes out there yep. and just touching the outside of the house where their initials are carved and how that's worn away from years like decades of him just giving touching it a it. touch yep. touching it and going inside and dusting everything that's in the house and clearing the leaves like he has his own rituals to keep her alive yep it's so beautiful it's really beautiful and that's what i love is that it's it can be critical of him it can be, right. it can be, it's, it's, and it's really critical of, of, I think any, anyone that was living in Germany at the onset of the Reich, um, mm-hmm. who, you know, it's, it's that idea of the, like, whether it's the soldiers saying they were just following orders or, or, or just everyday Germans, um, that were just watching this thing happen and were, were being lied to and there was propaganda everywhere. Um, but like, you would have to really be turning a blind eye or just be kind of lazy or just complacent you know complicit with it to let that allow us to happen and how there is a there is a kind of the witches laugh at him over that there is a judgment in that but there's also kind of a a tragic empathy with it where it's like this is unfortunately how a lot of us live our lives sometimes Mm -hmm. it comes down to 
we might not know how bad it's going to get or we see the warning signs and we think there's more time or right. I mean like and it's that same thing we talked about on the episode with Colin Drucker was like we're talking about Suspiria while kids are kept in cages in the United States of America right. mm-hmm. but and that's why it's so important that Susie tells him in the epilogue like we don't need your guilt and shame like yeah, you did. You have felt guilty about this, and maybe you should. But it's not, you're not the person who should feel guilty. The people yep. who should feel guilty are the ones in power, the ones who perpetrated all of these crimes, the people who have money and aren't helping others. It's the people who yeah. are being selfish. Those that's the guilt and the shame that they need yeah. that they're not getting. Not they don't so need much... his his pitiful personal guilt over you know what happened with his wife fifty years ago. Not so much the people that have been manipulated, but the actual manipulators. Right. Um, yeah. It's such a big line from her. It's such a huge concept. And I'm like, what do you mean? This political ideas don't go. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know? And I just, I don't know. It's so beautiful that at the end when a new family, when he, she takes the memories away from him. And so he's not going to the house anymore because he doesn't remember and just a new family has moved in and the initials are worn away and it's just that kind of life goes on. Yeah. Yeah. It's modern. for all of us. Our personal tragedies consume our entire world. But you know what? Life goes on. It's modern day. But then now there's another family living in this house and maybe doing a little bit better than the last resident of that house. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the hope for collective humanity, I think. Do you think, was that a lesbian couple in that house? There were a couple of men, but I'll assume it's a lesbian couple because it's two women passing a child off to each other and yeah. they both clearly live there. Like a man walks down the street, another one says hi, then there's the the younger woman with, who's carrying the textbook that says the great mother um, <laughs> that walks by, that kind of walks out, that seems like she might be staying with them. So I just yeah. assumed that it was a lesbian couple and they have their college student reading the, about the goddess. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I'll go with it. I'll go with it. You know what I noticed this time? That uh, when Susie is telling him what happened to Anka and the name of the officer that makes all of the people at the concentration camp stand outside, essentially the one who causes Anka's death is named Berger. Who is... Is also the patient at the beginning. In the beginning, yeah. And it seems to give him pause for a second when he hears that name. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Life goes on. Like an onion, Suspiria unfolds <laughs> continuously. Yeah, that uh, burger. That burger has to be intentional because the, it has to be intentional. You could come up with many other German names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, before we go any further, Stacy. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. I know we've got a couple questions today. Oh, yeah, yeah, we do. Can we get one of those listener questions booted up and see what how this helps contribute to the world of Suspiria we're charting today? <laughs> well, yeah, because someone asked, uh, FKA Brody actually asked uh, and a Suspiria question. Can you believe it? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. So <laughs> FKA Brody asked, who would you cast in Luca's Suspiria universe if he were to continue with the trilogy? Oh. 
Oh. So when and he continues with the doll when hallucinated trilogy yes, in the apocalypse, yeah. post-apocalypse. Who would you cast? And I just struggled with this. I just, I honestly, like, am only thinking about Suspiria. And I just was unable to conceptualize anybody thinking about the two movies, Inferno and Mother of Tears, that we already have in the trilogy. Yes. Thinking about what shit shows they are. Yes. Inferno's got some good stuff. but it, uh, That's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some stuff I like. Mother of Tears, as we know, if you listen to our episode about it. Aye, aye, aye. Hey, Mother of Tears has some great stuff, like that little monkey. <laughs> and the little ghoul that's in the camera flash in the beginning. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It's so hard for me to conceptualize what he would do with those two films that I just was unable to really even think about it. And I just have Suspiria on the brain. And I was just thinking like, well, he would just cast Dakota Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Dakota Johnson would be in those movies. She'd have to be because she's going to have to find her sisters. Yeah. Right. So they're lost to time. Oh, God, I love Suspiria. Um, but I just, uh, yeah, so I really was just like, I don't know. I think Kate Blanchett would have made an okay Blanc if Tilda was unavailable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she, she could have done that. She could have done that. Um, I just honestly just like drew blanks. I was like, there's a couple actresses I like that I would like to see in movies. But I honestly, I'm like, who the fuck is going to play the hoodie witch? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I can't. It's impossible for my brain to work this way. But I know you have some answers, so I'm going to stop talking and you just give your answers. Okay, listen, I cast three roles. All right. Because I was thinking, like, what are what are what are even like uh, is someone asking me to cast Lee recast Lee, or recast Lee McCloskey in um, Inferno? <laughs> like, it'd be a just... woman. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Lee McCloskey. Yeah, it, it has to be. Uh, in if we're going off of Suspiria, that's the other thing. Is what would these what would these sequels even look like? How do you even that's build what... off of Suspiria? It feels so contained. I want more, but. It, it, feels it feels contained. So contained. even with that, even with that stinger, it feels contained. Although I still just want to know what she's doing. What is that ending? What is that stinger? But um, I just like that's the thing. And seeing what he did with the source material with Suspiria, I'm like, well, it's not gonna. Then the other two aren't gonna be anything like their source material. So I just how I would can't. that translate? The only thing I can think is like it would be since this movie is so preoccupied with fascism and oppressive pasts and how they correlate to today. I'm just like, so would the uh, would the other films be about other uh, regions and eras in in disrepair and in political upheaval? Like, would we see Rwanda or would we see? Uh, would we see Franco Spain? Like, what would what would it what could it even look like? You know, and how would it tie mm. into Susie's story? Um, mm, Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah. Oh, I like yeah. Her. And actually, I did put Lupita on my list of who I nice. wanna, who I would want to see in a Suspiria verse. I didn't cast her as anybody, but I was thinking if we right depending on where we go, and I would love to see her in it. Because um, I mean, Lupita, it's just it's just canon now that she has to be. She's a horror icon at this point, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so we need her. Um, 
But I was thinking, okay, we've got, obviously we have two roles to cast right there between Mother of Tears and Mother of Darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who would be the third role? I was like, oh, Varelli, who was the alchemist that built their houses, even though that doesn't mm. even, as far as I know, that doesn't even exist in this world. Um, right. There, there is no Three Mothers book in in Luca's Suspiria like there is in the original one. Um, there's just Patricia's book where she charts this mythology, but there is no like definitive text like there is Varelli's Vire- text. Um, maybe they'll find it later. Yeah, maybe maybe later they find it. So I was thinking for the Mother of Darkness, who I must remind people is the youngest and the most cruel. If we're going off of, even though these mothers are very different than how we imagined them. Also, oh my God, Stacey, how did I never realize until this viewing that the altar for the Sabbath is three gigantic dresses holding hands? (laughs) I lost my mind. I just thought they were. It's hard to see. Some of it is hard to see. Like the walls are covered in hair. Like when Vendigast take when they cut Susie's hair, and then Vendigast scoops it up in the background. All the walls in the Sabbath are covered in hair. It's so gross. It's awesome. I it it, that was definitely. I think this was the because I've seen this. I saw it five times in the theater, and then streaming, and then (laughs) and then on this Blu-ray. This was like one of my first real Blu-ray watches all the way through. And there was so much more visual information that I saw, I think, because this picture seemed lighter than in the theater and I was able to make out. And and I could also pause stuff. I paused a lot. So this took me five hours to watch Um, (laughs) because I had a lot of notebook material to read. Um, So so I was thinking Mother of Darkness, youngest and most cruel, just going off of that. I don't think I can't I can't think of anybody except Florence Pugh to play the Mother of Darkness under those terms. Because in a little film called Lady Macbeth, she is the youngest and the most cruel. And I gotta watch that. Oh my god, you're gonna fucking die. Um, but that that just her and that and how much I love her in Midsummer and I I sense some shared DNA in the sort of caliber of actors. So mm-hmm. I could really see Florence Pugh there. Um, for the role of Mother of Tears, who is the most beautiful and the most powerful. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Rebecca Gayhart is the obvious answer. Oh, stop it! <laughs> no, I was thinking Daria Nicolodi. Fucking bring her back. Oh. She is only the most powerful mother because she only wrote the entire fucking mythology. God, could you imagine? The second, like, and that's the thing is, like, you don't need her until the very ending. And then she comes out and she just blows up the entire world. <laughs> like... <laughs> God, that would be so fucking cool. Yeah, bring back, bring Daria Nicolodi into the film. I'm surprised she's not in the in Lucas Suspiria, to be honest. Um, but also, I don't, I don't, it doesn't, I don't know if she still really acts a lot. Um, I don't think she acts a lot. Apparently, she doesn't uh, like it. Hmm. That's fine. You know what? That's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put that in a box. I'm gonna set that box aside. <laughs> To put rocks in my dress and drown myself in the river. <laughs> yeah. um, and then for the role of Varelli, I was thinking because I love him so much and he's such a weirdo and I'm bizarrely attracted to him. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah, no, uh, Michael Shannon. I love Michael Shannon. Oh, I would just okay. love to. I would love to see him in the Suspiria verse. Although he's a man, I think he could do it. Uh, or if we wanted to play up the the the, the greats. Um, who also 
you know, it's some it's some casting from the original film. Uh, Udo Kier would also be great because I I love oh yeah I love Udo so much, and he mm-hmm. he can do a much better job acting than he got to in Mother of Tears. <laughs> Jesus Christ! But who else would I want to see in this universe? I would besides like these actors uh, and Lupita. I would love to see. I think Isabel Huppert would fit perfectly into the Suspiria. Oh God, yeah. I think Anya Taylor Joy would fit right in here. Um, All right. I, I think Patricia Quinn has <laughs> Suspiria written all over her. Um, Octavia Spencer. I'd love to see her do something. I would love to see how how Octavia would exist in this universe. Um, and then Queen of My Heart, uh, Kanatio Horn. She is a Mohawk actress who is plays my favorite Native character I've ever seen on anything, and I think she would fucking kill in this too. I think she could also be an incredible Mother of Tears or Mother of Darkness uh, because she has an edge to her. So hmm. yeah, that's my imagined Suspiria verse. I like it. Thank you. Some interesting choices there that uh, yeah. I, I I can't really picture, but yeah. I'll allow it. But let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. See what Nothing's happens. ever going to happen. Just imagine Patricia Quinn as Vindicast's, like, sister or cousin. God, Vindicast is so fucking cool. <laughs> Isn't she the best? She's the best. Like, I was just uh, so taken with her this time, how funny she is. Like, the moments of humor in this film are... I mean, she's the she's the class clown. She's the class clown. I'm like, how does she manage to look so fucking cool while holding a tray full of cups of urine? <laughs> and yet she's still cool. What is? What, what, I love that line so much when she's painting, or when she has the white paint. Oh, don't be afraid of the white, Susie. <laughs> yeah, you don't be so afraid of the white. God, it, and she see you from the back. Oh, her tinted <laughs> glasses. That she wears all the time, like those blue tinted glasses. How she's just always like, oh, it'll be all right. And she's just constant pout frown. Yeah. Constant (laughs) pout frown and smirk and how she just lies to like Caroline. Like, it'll be okay. Like, you know, it won't be. (laughs) I'm so glad she survives. Like she is an enigma. She is. I think she's one of the greatest. I mean, her and Miss Griffith, I think, are the two greatest mysteries of this film. Um, or two of the greatest mysteries, like, because, I mean, Griffith, one, what the fuck is going on? Also, is she the mother of tears? And we just don't know what, what? (laughs) I think Griffith right away, because she's right there when Susie comes in. I think Griffith knows right away something is up. I think she knows that. Marcos is not Mother Suspiriorum. I think she knows what Susie is gonna do. Maybe not specifically, but she knows like the end yeah. is the end is fucking nigh. Because the first time we see her really freak out is like after they have that breakfast where that co- yeah. the, that fucking cool ass track plays. God, so cool. <laughs> and then it, and then it culminates in them in their last supper moment. Ugh. Yeah, it's during the vote. Like we're seeing them have a good time at breakfast, but the vote has already happened. And I think at that point she knows that they done fucked up. Yeah, yeah, and you see her just like just just being her weird owl woman self with her bowl cut and her glasses in the corner yeah. um as you hear how she votes and you know she is giving herself hell over the fact that she panicked. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know if she submitted to Marcos, if she just felt like 
if she was afraid to vote any other way. Right. And so when when they say, let no one's vote be held against her, (laughs) she knows that all those votes are going to be held against them. Yeah, and yeah, she's not going to be. She crazy. seems to be. They're all psychic to an extent, or they right. have the ability. They they're aware of things. Um, but Griffith, I think, is much more empathic, mm-hmm. and seems much more insightful. Uh, not to be a pun, but like she's she she has even more of that sight. Right. Like she so. does know what's going to happen, and she knows she. That's why I think maybe that's why she stabs herself in the neck instead of getting her head exploded. Oh, sure. Like, she knows what's coming. So it's like, fucking get it over with now. Yeah. She's the white woman that voted for Trump or Jill Stein. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, She just doesn't want to, like, be tortured all this time because she knows what's coming and it's still so far off. Yeah. Yeah. But they're all still clueless or playing into it or watching all of this happen. And Vendigast, Vendigast is so fucking tricky. Um, and I've had so many different readings of her. And you brought this up to me before. It was your thought about, uh, we brought this up on the Colin Drucker episode. There's a line that Vendigast has. I'm drawing a blank. Don't hurt Olga. Don't hurt her. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't hurt Olga. <laughs> like, yeah. she, and I was, I've always was reading her as like this, like they say, you know, she's the, she kind of acts as the house mother to the dancers in the company and the, in their dormitory style um, accommodations. And so I was thinking like she really is sad about what's happening to Olga, but you did point out like she's smiling and kind of fighting off some laughs as they're stabbing her. Yeah, I think that's a joke because she's like, don't yeah. hurt her. And then you cut and Olga is a pr- like a pretzel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and I think, I <laughs> she really is a, a salted pretzel right there. Just <laughs> yeah. Serve up some uh, honey mustard. She, um, it's so weird because I, I still think that she's partially pained by what's happening, but I also, there is a sadistic streak to her watching it happen, and she is laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think she really kind of is is this bizarre balancing act of being a total clown sadist, but also someone that does genuinely, to some extent, care for these dancers. I think this is what I was struck with on this watch, is that the caring by any of them is performative. Because they make the point, there's the scene where Susie first arrives at the the place, and, and Sarah's taking her to the room, and they pass by Olga, who's on the phone, who says, why don't you try speaking to me like you love me for a change? Mm-hmm. To whoever she's talking to. And later, Blanc makes the point that Sarah, or maybe it's Tanner, makes the point that Sarah is a good candidate for the whole Marcos transference because Sarah feels like she's loved. Mm-hmm. And I just think any caring by them is ultimately performative. I think for like Blanc, for Blanc, maybe it's genuine. And for some of them, it might be. But Vendigast, I don't get that impression at all. I think she's a little clown. She's a troll. She's, yeah, she's a She's troll. laughing and skipping and, you know, dancing her way through this whole fucking movie. She, yeah. I mean, she emerges even, for, like covered in blood and is like, la, la, la. Like, yeah, she's singing. just having the time of her life. Even when she finds Blanc, like, she's, she's like, so excited to see Blanc. But she's also, she, 
she also just lets go and lets her head almost fall off. Yeah. Because uh, she's she's kind of like a weird kid with a magnifying glass and some ants in some, <laughs> in some moments. Yeah. I was just taken with the cruelty and I was especially taken with Tanner is like one of my favorites. Because yeah. she is very kind at times. She's very, very super kind and she's so soft-spoken. Um, but underneath it, there's she's one of the most terrifying people in the company i think oh i mean she's the right hand of marcos mm-hmm. and it's just the right it comes out i talked about it on our episode with colin i talked about when you know olga calls them all witches and tanner starts to laugh <laughs> yeah such a good laugh it's such a good laugh but i thought about it. i was like when sarah goes to visit klemperer at his office and when she emerges who does she see it's tanner Tanner is mm-hmm. fucking scary as shit. Mm-hmm. And she's the one that's, uh, when the cops come in, she's the one that has hypnotized them and is laughing so hard, like giggling with, with Vindegast and with, I think, Huller, mm-hmm. uh, as she's as she just keeps threatening those private parts with her little hook, mm-hmm. with her Minoan lance hook. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Like she's they're all scary that's the thing is when people are like oh it's not there's not enough horror it's like are you kidding me yeah yeah it's there is a mask of of this and i think it uses that expectation of femininity of of the nurturer of the emotional gentle caretaker that kind of expectation of women and of women artists and dancers like more in tune with their body and each other a company it uses that stereotype against um a viewer's expectations mm-hmm and I mean, and I fell right into that with my read of Vindegast and, and even of Tanner and of Blanc. I think uh, that scene right before Olga's destruction, the scene of, uh, of Olga screaming, you know, they're all witches, you're all witches. Tanner laughing. Right before that, we learned so much about Blanc with the way Blanc, the merciful, uh, benevolent, more more benevolent than Marcos, at least the the new uh, the new hopeful leader, the more empathic leader, that is performed even when she's when she's doing her damnedest to to sell that performance. Olga's saying Olga's freaking out and calling them hypocrites. Blanc says, "No, let's confront this." Right, and she's she's trying to get down to a level, and and really she is. It's a sales pitch. Even though yeah. that that Olga is, or that Patricia is fine, Patricia is running off to blow up blow up department stores, and that's something she believes in. And isn't it beautiful to want to change something in the world? We should we should support that. Um, yet Blanc knows just as well as every other matron in that room that Patricia is lying down on that slab with Marcos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to the point where she, like, is physically all over Olga to almost try to, like, physically dominate her as well as she does with her words. Yeah, and silence her. And completely silence her. And then they all send her, they all consciously, like, I thought it was more of a mistake um, that Susie sort of did this mirroring spell that tore apart Olga, um, that it was sort of subconscious with the witches. But even with this watch, I'm like... That was an intentional spell that they all knew what was happening. That's when Blanc presses into Susie's palms and her feet. And there's that white mark. She's like transferring that power to her. Yeah. And then later she comments like, you know, oh, what happened to Olga? It's like, well, we were really mad at Olga. So that's all a a performance by Blanc. 
yeah. as like and the, I bene- think, the benevolent artist, you know. Yeah, and I think that's why Blanc. Um, I think that her her love for Susie is genuine, and I think that's why there's there's that's that expressivity of them looking at each other. Blanc is constantly shocked by Susie and terrified yes. of her. Yes, uh, she and that's part of why she loves her, but. Um, she sees she sees an equal, but she sees someone that could also surpass her. And uh, the fact that Susie um, is kind of a predator towards Blanc, like Susie is really an instigator in their relationship. Yes. And, and says things like it felt like what it must feel like to fuck. Or she confronts her and says like when when um, Blanc is leading her into the mirrored room and talking about dance is a language and Susie says or spells and she knows like Susie is constantly one-upping Blanc and challenging her mm-hmm. and so I think that's when that's when she lets go of that artifice and she's terrified because she knows this woman sees her for everything she is mm-hmm. um, and that's also why she loves her mm-hmm. oh. uh, yeah well the chicken wing scene you know oh. when oh. <laughs> the, the other sex scene in the movie yeah uh, <laughs> When Blanc is asking her, like, how did you come to us, basically? And Susie doesn't frame it in terms of, like, I love your perform, Like, I loved your performance or whatever. She says, I knew I had to see you. Yes. Yeah. She yeah, makes it's not it even about, about the company. Her. It's not about the company. It's not about the performance. It's about Blanc. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Jesus, just have sex already, too. My God. What do you think? What do you think happens? I mean, we keep asking. We've we've asked this many times before. But what do you think happens after all this mess? Like, do you? I mean, because Blanc is alive. Blanc is alive. The company is continuing, even though they said without Marcos it would fall apart. Does the company continue? Does Blanc get healed? Do they run it together? I mean, is Susie the hands and Blanc is the the head or the, the heart? hands Susie is such a fucking lesbian it's ridiculous the hands as she grabs onto her hands and says i want to be the hands as she takes blanc's hand and puts it to her face constant Later. constant constant lesbian <laughs> she is constantly challenging blanc to fuck her right there mm-hmm. <laughs> like every single yeah. time they encounter each other yeah yeah susie i Love Susie Banyan. I love this character. I love how fearless she is. Um, even before, like her, I mean, the first thing when Blanc introduces her to, to the company, what does she say? I feel like I'm not even here yet. Mm-hmm. Which is so fucking telling, given mm-hmm. what happens later. But yeah, and who, who, who she becomes. She is. Who she is. Uh, like whenever you think she knew she was Mother Suspiriorum, which we can get to. But yes. Susie Banyan is so fucking rad in so many ways outside of just being this, like, powerful witch. That, I mean, like, she's, a, she's Rumspringa done right. <laughs> Rumspringa done right. I, I Like, we've talked about what a little criminal she is. Yeah. <laughs> Stealing the money from the church, knowing how to pick a lock. Stealing uh, the lipstick, breaking a filing cabinet. Yeah, breaking in, stealing the lipstick. Um, the fact that the whole, when they have the cops under the spell and they're laughing at their dicks. Uh-huh. The fact that she doesn't say, that she laughs also, and she doesn't say anything to Sarah. She does not tell anybody what she saw. 
even if you don't know that these are witches and everything, like, wouldn't you be like, at least like, Sarah, oh my God, do you know what I just saw? Yeah, she's holding the, these police officers are catatonic. They're holding their guns and they are playing with their dicks with hooks. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, Su- and Susie's like, tee Like, she just goes with it. And then when Olga leaves and Susie has to, like, volunteers to do the protagonist, right? No one wants to do it. Uh, Blanc has asked a couple of the other dancers, like, do you want to do it? And everybody demurs because they think they're not ready. Susie's volunteers to do it. And Blanc says, you know, we rehearsed this for 10 months before we performed it. And Susie's like, yeah, and? (laughs) And then Tanner is like, okay, fine. Well, you'll do it alone then. And Susie just laughs. And I'm like, oh, my God. God, but like before any of this, she's such a fucking boss. And her first audition where Tanner is like, you're insistent. Like you don't have any references. You don't have any formal training. And you insisted on auditioning. And I just love that because it speaks to the fact that like the world of art and like so often as a creative person, you feel like I don't know the right people. Oh, yep. I don't have the billion dollar camera to take my photographs with. And Susie Banyan is like, none of that fucking matters. Yeah. She doesn't have any training. She doesn't have anything. She There's a really nice moment in her room where you see that she's got a plastic bag from the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. She has nothing. And she did it all mm-hmm. on her own because she just felt like it. Yeah, in 1977. In 1977, it's so fucking inspirational. And then she turns out to be Mother Superiorum. It's like, but even if she was just Susie Banyan, she's so fucking rad. I can't take it. I love her. <laughs> and that's the thing. Even <laughs> the, revela- the revelation of her as Superiorum, even still, just the 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 mm, agency in, in her saying, I know who I am now. Like, mm-hmm. that... That is a moment in every queer or artist or woman's life mm-hmm. um, that is so powerful that it means look out, everyone. <laughs> I am <sighs> becoming self-actualized, and I'm your worst fucking nightmare. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dance, and I'm gonna steal all the church money, and I'm gonna get a nice fucking coat, and I'm gonna <laughs> fuck this hot ass choreographer <laughs> who is thirty years older than me. <laughs> Yeah, we've talked about it in the past as being like a coming out story. And it's just like, it's so beautifully articulated in terms of that. That like baby Susie is writing Berlin on a piece of paper mm-hmm. over and over and doesn't really probably know why. Yeah. She's yeah. Dif- she's different and she knows she's different, but she doesn't have any, she doesn't know what it means. She doesn't have any way to explain it. And just her evolution all the way to Mother Superiorum. It's like, and everybody who was a child and was like, gay as a child, like maybe there are genuinely people who don't get it until they're like in their 30s or their 40s or whenever, until they're adults, that they're like, oh, this is why I don't like my husband. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like, oh oh my God. Right. But for some of us, it's like, I remember... I mean, uh, being in kindergarten and thinking girls were pretty. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Same. For, for some of us, it's when we were very, very small. And even if you yeah. didn't know what that was. And I just think it's so well illustrated in this movie. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think I think any queer person should be able to relate to this this story like i mean we've all basically grown up <laughs> mennonite <laughs> on a farm mm-hmm. uh masturbating in closets and our mothers find us <laughs> and then call us <laughs> yeah. call us hester and smear a scarlet letter a on the wall and paint <laughs> while we traumatize our sisters you know like we that that idea of of that you are you're you're trapped in a place that doesn't understand you and you know that you have there's such a bigger world where you do exist and where you can thrive and that there are people out there that you need to find who will help you become who you need to be. Right. Um, and that, that sense of just biding your time and waiting for the perfect moment to be able to get out of there. The perfect moment when your mom is dying and you can steal the church money and they won't notice and you can get on a train. Mm-hmm. Like it is, uh, it's so universal and yet she she is and the fact that she takes all those traumas she still has nightmares about her mom finding her in that closet right um and yet she still she uses that to push herself and to empower herself to to pursue what she knows she wants um she's not gonna get hung up over it she's going to she's gonna grab madame blanc's hands and (sighs) and go for it like she's a fucking gay gay ass icon man she is. She absolutely is. It's crazy. Why doesn't everybody love Susie? Ah! <laughs> it's a spirit. Like, it, uh, just. Uh... Death to any other mother, man. Death to any other movie. I, so I still want to get to the revelation of Suspiriorum and all the instances of threes in this movie. The three mothers, the three daughters, three sisters, all of it. Um. But Stacy, do we have another listener question? I know we've got a couple. Uh, yeah, we've got two questions here that are really similar, so I might as well just read them together. Okay. Mike M. asks, what horror movie, excluding Suspiria 2018, how dare you? Uh, wow. what What horror movie, excluding Suspiria 2018, would you cast yourself in, and what role would you play? And Jez asks, if you could drop into any existing horror movie, what would you pick? And would you choose to be an existing character or play yourself? Hmm. Okay. Good questions. Good questions. I feel a little attacked by Mike's uh, qualifying. Excluding Suspiria 2018. Excluding my favorite film. Wow. But bearing that in mind, um, I'm going to say Suspiria. Okay. Yeah. I would cast myself in Suspiria. What role would I play? I don't know, but Susie would fall in love with me. The end. (laughs) Really? You wouldn't be DJ Witch? Maybe I'd be DJ Witch, but I would survive. First of all, DJ Witch gets exploded. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, uh, maybe I would be the new DJ witch in us. Uh, when they need a new DJ witch, I could come in and I could be like, I'd have headphones around my neck and be a cool <laughs> DJ. You know? Oh, and you do that. You do that DJ pose like in the L Word season two <laughs> <laughs> intro. Yeah, I'm the new DJ witch, and Susie's like, oh my. Then, Don't you know me? I'm the new DJ witch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and she's like, oh, would you like to come over for some chicken wings? And I'd be like, 
Well, I'm a vegetarian, but for you, I'll make an exception. <laughs> you can't. What, what if it was a tofurkey wing? Oh, there we go. I like a tofurkey yeah. wing. All right. I'd say, do you have tofurkey? And she'd say, it's only 1977. I don't know if that's been invented yet. And I'd say, well. <laughs> Why don't you look in your chest vagina? And see what <laughs> look you got in your chest. Reach in there. And, oh, you want me to? All right. And uh, the end. There you go. I would cast myself in a movie called Suspiria 2018 <laughs> by Luca Guadagnino. And uh, I would, I, listen, I could never, I'm not, I would never be up to the caliber of this actor because she is fucking perfect like every goddamn queen in this movie because this is a, a symphony of queens featured really in this film. It really is, my God. Every single woman in this movie is amazing and important and fucking crucial as hell. Mm-hmm. Um also, like, I need every single cast poster that they released, you know, the individual cast posters of the matrons that they had when the movie was getting promoted, like, at wherever it was being seen. <laughs> They're all in the uh, collector's edition. Which, you should mention, is maybe still available? I need to I get it. I think so, it's, yeah, it's still It's available. a German Blu-ray release. Mm-hmm. The ultimate edition. Do, do, do. And it's got both ver- both films. Both films, multiple formats. It's got, there's not enough, uh, there isn't enough supplemental material in the world for Suspiria 2018. And if I won Publishers Clearinghouse, I would fund something. I would fund a commentary. Oh, I want a commentary track so fucking bad and we're never going to get it. Yeah, Luca Tilda Dakota, oh. screenwriter. Get us in there. So with with that said, uh, I would go for the role of Vendegast because I fucking love her so much. <laughs> She's so I, cool. I just want to sing and say, "Don't be afraid of the white Susie," <laughs> and I want to I want to wash that blood up with my with my flare, throwing my head all the way back as I do it. Man, <sighs> fucking love Vendegast. She's so great. I want to sing my weird cabaret fastbender nursery rhymes and <laughs> be a demented fucking queen. I love her. I love Vindigast so much. Oh, I love her so much. I love her so much. She's so perfect. Oh, perfect fucking angel. Who are your, who are like your top witches? Tanner, Vindigast. Yeah. And I guess Blanc. Yeah. I do love Blanc. You know, like I do. I do for all I mean, her Blanc, faults. <laughs> Blanc is perfect. I think she's also a tragedy of the film. Um, mm-hmm. In addition to Anka. I mean, luckily she survives, but who knows Ugh, in, when she, in what state. When she tries to stop everything that's going on. And I just love it when Mar- it can be said, it can be interpreted in several ways. But when Marka, when Blanc is like, you know, do you want this, Susie, or whatever? And Marco says, we all know what you want. What you want. And it's like, yeah, Blanc wants to be running the show, but Blanc also wants Susie Banyan. And yeah. I think, you know, Marcos knows that. And also, you know what? I'm going to say it. Even if the rule, even if she was fighting by the old and playing by the old rule book, um, what set Blanc apart from Marcos is Blanc was an artist. Yeah, she's an art fag. And that's, I mean, Marcos opened the company as a front. Right. Dance was still a means to to cast spells and to 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 
to hide and keep the coven, you know, intact um, and to empower her. But it was only self-serving for Marcos. Mm-hmm. Um, Blanc is a witch. Yes. Uh, maybe a witch first. But I think to the same extent, she is also an artist. And that's why that that line of Marcos saying this isn't vanity. This isn't art. Mm-hmm. And challenging Blanc in that moment. Um is drop the art shit. This is just a front. We sell weed in the back, and it's all right. Helena Marcos's weed. <laughs> yeah. You know, it yeah. funds Helena Marcos Sunglass Hut. But like, <laughs> Blanc's an artist, and that's that thing of like, you know, if you're an artist in this world, you definitely see the difference between the people who practice creativity and the people who don't. <laughs> Obviously, in terms of plot, Susie is meant to be all these girls, Patrizia sarah for a little while not very long but who knows how many girls underneath are meant to be a vessel for helena marcos to be reborn Mm -hmm. right and then they drop little bits of that throughout the film like the improvised dance scene is all about rebirth and it's like Uh is is blanc just starting to like uh like not gaslight Susie, but to just kind of like uh, groom her, basically. And that's what that's the word Patricia uses. Yeah, grooming. Yeah, because that's it's all about the pull of rebirth and our efforts to escape it. And she wants Susie to dance the lead, and then Blanc phrases it. Uh, you know, when you dance the dance of another, you make yourself in the image of its creator. Mm-hmm. You you empty yourself so that her work can live within you. Mm-hmm. she's couching it in terms of art and it sounds like something that's really great and then marcos is like there will be nothing of you left inside only space for me yeah it's like just crass and just like she just wants the like young hot skin suit which i don't blame her we all want that we all want that right we're all helena marcos <laughs> and we want to look like Susie banyan right like... at heart the entire human race is helena marcos <laughs> yeah but it's like blanc has a way of making it beautiful and making it about art because she does actually care about art like she's an artist yeah yeah even th- even though her challenge is that art should be no longer needs to be beautiful it should can and should be ugly because the world right. is ugly right She's still an artist. She's still applying aesthetics to it. And she still wants it to to say something in the world. Right. Well, that I mean, that calls to mind. There's a quote by uh, Eugene O'Neill, I think, playwright. And it's all about beauty and the ugliness. There's a beauty to me in the ugliness. Mm-hmm. And so while she says art can never be beautiful, I think she's talking about a different kind of beauty. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, and, and it's that idea of, like I think folk is beautiful but it's supposed to be confrontational and terrifying and um, and it's about it's about the holocaust and it's about them hiding away during the holocaust and, and this attempt to find balance after mm-hmm. uh, and about looking back on the past um, yeah folk yeah man folk it's so fucking folk. good it's so good it's so fucking good poor Sarah Oh, Sarah, another tragedy. She does not fucking deserve this. And her efforts during the performance to, like, get Susie's attention. You know, like, she's trying to communicate with Susie. 
And then at the end when she's trying to communicate with Klimperer and she just can't. And it's so tragic. And like Susie yeah. Sarah is like another love story to me. It is. It absolutely is. Um, I was I was really stricken by some moments that they had. There was one moment, I can't even remember what it is, I, but I remember the visual in my head of them. Oh, it's when they're getting ready for folk, and it's the first time they're dancing in the, the, the very beginning of the red costume, or the red string costume. Mm-hmm. And they're in the studio, and Susie and Sarah are play, like really playful and almost flirty with each other as they dance together and warm up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think Susie's got it bad for her. Oh, yeah. Susie's a big lesbian. I'm telling you. She's a giant fucking horn dog. She's a giant fucking horny lesbian. The end. Yeah. But the Susie-Sarah relationship, even if if you're one of those who's like, they're just friends. um, They're sisters. (laughs) It's even then, even under those restrictions, it's such a beautiful friendship. And I just, Sarah breaks my fucking heart, like, every time. It helps that Mia Goth is a fucking, in, in... incredible actor and um has such a goddamn expressive set of eyes and and i can watch her screams oh those are the most guttural affecting screams i've ever heard in any film oh they just it's horrible what happens to her it's also what the fuck is that like having like seeing this again with even more light i feel like on screen than what i had seen it in before and i don't know if it's my tv settings or the blu-ray or what what the fuck is this silent hill moment in helena's like boudoir (laughs) (laughs) i didn't even notice until this viewing when you see helena and she's like like i didn't even notice next to helena's like four post bed off to the left there's another like torso just like wiggling around like what are oh yeah yeah you didn't see that no i had seen the one crawling down the hallway coming after them but i had never i don't think i ever i think i was always preoccupied with looking and trying to see marcos in that bed Mm. that i didn't see the little ghoul off to the left that's just like writhing up on the walls but it also is you know just a torso with 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 stump arms and stump legs <laughs> it's like what's so the f- fucked up man that's why what the i don't fuck get is it her silent hill hallmark collection that she has down there <laughs> her, her hummels yeah her hummel figurines <laughs> Cut off the feet! Like, what? <laughs> That's oh! why when, when people are like, this doesn't have enough horror, it's like, did we watch the same movie? When when Sarah is in the mirror room and, like, does the tap, 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 and then the hollow tap, and then the door opens into darkness, that's, it's terrifying. Oh, when she, and when she crawls into the the inner sanctum of the coven and she's in the shelf room with all the art and all the artifacts and the hooks mm-hmm. and the, and that gorgeous goddamn painting that one day I'm going to become independent wealthy and I'm going to buy that painting from Tilda's boyfriend or whoever owns that now. Um, but just hearing whatever ritual is happening in that room and hearing Marco screaming, like she sounds angry at the coven. She's just screaming and shouting and gasping for air. It's because Griffith is dead. Oh yeah, that's what they're really—they're like we couldn't—we oh, yeah. couldn't save her, and Marcos is flipping the fuck out. It's terrifying, man. It is. It is Helena Marco. As much as I love her and 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 want to get her tattooed all over my body, um, <laughs> mostly on my face. Uh, I just yeah, duh. She, 
she's fucking terrifying. There is, and mm-hmm. and knowing that all the other witches are in on it is <laughs> <it's> so unsettling. <laughs> it's so unsettling, and that's why Sarah then goes to Klemperer. It's like holy shit. Yeah. Oh, you, know? you were right. I was wrong. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. You know, they've and got she... they've got Jabba the Hut down there, and <laughs> she is a very angry boss. And she tries to save Susie. You know, like, that scene it's... is so rough of Sarah crying and just telling Susie, and uh, and Susie's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Right. It's so rough. This is see. This is I read an interview, or it was just actually a comment. You know how it's like, you know, in the press days for movies. When they go on the press junkets and all that, it's like the whole article will be about one quote from an actor, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I saw one from Dakota Johnson that was like, somebody asked her, I guess, like, when did Susie know or whatever. And she's like, it's a re- like she played it like it's a really subtle moment that not everybody is going to pick up on mm. when Susie knows mm-hmm. for sure what's happening. And there are so many potential answers to that throughout the film, obviously. Yeah. I mean, there's the obvious, like, I know who I am. I know who I am now. But there's also the moment at the end of Folk, because Susie, before the performance, is also very concerned about Sarah. And it (gasps) still seems like she's just worried about her friend. You know, like, where is she? She should be here by now. She asks about her, etc. When shit's gone haywire and Sarah collapses. The lights have come up. The lights have come up. The audience is filing out. Susie, like, has Sarah. She's, like, sitting by her. And she cries a little bit. There's a tear. Right? Then they haul Sarah away. And Susie kind of smiles. Mm -hmm. I remember that exact shot last night. And I had a moment of pause right there and thought, something is happening here. And then that's when, like, I think that's the moment. I think that's how she played it anyway. Whether or not, like, I think fans can debate when she knows, but I think that's how she played that moment. It's like, that's yeah. when well, everything clicks into place. If you think about her demeanor and how she operates with uh, Blanc, um, she is very, you know, in your face and, like, confrontational with Blanc and, like, sultry, kind of seductive. Um, but... But she doesn't become, she doesn't get that steely-eyed confidence. Right. That's staring at you and eye-fucking you across the table. She doesn't get that until after that moment. Yeah, she has that moment and then they go to the Me Too dinner. And then (laughs) she and Blanc, she and Blanc are eye-fucking. And then Blanc's attention is drawn away for a split second. And then Susie is gone. Basically, once that, once that coke comes out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like Susie completely vanishes. Like we don't see her leave. She's just not there. And then she's gone back before everybody else and starts dropping her clothes all over the fucking building. Gets nude. Gets nude and In is her ready house. to go. <laughs> yeah, and is ready to go. Yeah. And she looks so beautiful at the Sabbath. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, she in that in that sheer robe. Mm-hmm. Or caftan, maybe oh. sheer caftan. So good. Yeah, I so I think that post Volk might be the moment. Suspiriora, man. When everything crosses over, like she had inklings her entire life, but that's the moment where it clicks into place. Mm-hmm. Stacy, I hate to do this to us, but do we have another listener question? Um, sure we do. 
We do. Um, Derek asks, favorite horror film made by an out queer director? Oh, okay. I have to think um, about this. I have a whole list of one movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is it? Um, I'm going to have to go with Suspiria. Oh my honestly. fucking god! Mine is the exact same. Oh my god! Suspiria by Luca Guadagnino. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I guess you could like out queer director Kevin. I was going to say Kevin Williamson. He's a writer. I mean, how many are there? But why talk about anything except for Suspiria? Well, I mean, obviously the correct answer is Voodoo Academy. One, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and Voodoo Academy thirteen, thirteen uh, by David Dakota. Uh, but after excluding the Voodoo Academy series of homoerotic uh, fil- films thrillers <laughs> uh, listen there's nothing else but suspiria baby <laughs> i mean i mean old dark house suspiria <laughs> yeah suspiria oh. I, I love suspiria i just feel so seen that a big old fag made this for us <laughs> i know <laughs> and it's so faggy without being faggy so all the people who don't have faggy eyes are like huh yeah (laughs) why why is this old man in this why are they talking about i'm just like oh my god it's such a lesbian love story for me thank you it's a love it's a it's a it's a love a love story for every woman in this movie i mean it's a it's a love letter to them to women Mm -hmm. (laughs) to to dance to us, to the Gaylords of Darkness. Oh, especially to us. That's I what I wish. I wish, I mean, if we could go back in time to our very first episode, one fucking year ago today, if we could go back in time and we could say, hey, babies, guess what's coming? You're, you're about to get a big hug from you. You think you're going to like it. Yeah, right? you're, you're talking cautiously right now. You're a little guarded, but oh, babies, you got to prepare yourselves. Yeah. It's You're about to meet the love of your life. <laughs> you really are. She's about Who to come knew? walking in in that fur coat and her long raven locks. Oh my god. <laughs> her Salvation Army clothes. Her Salvation Army clothes. Her her envelope of money. <laughs> god, who could have predicted? Who could have predicted? Not right. I. Not I. I had Not no I. idea. I mean, I was intrigued when I first heard about this. The director of Call Me by Your Name is sure. doing is doing a remake of Suspiria until the Swintons in it. I was definitely intrigued. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing, "Oh, it's going to be very bleak and very drained of color," and I thought that's not right for Suspiria because everyone knows Suspiria right. means color lights everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hmm. Ugh. Ugh. And here we are. How many episodes later? How many things to come in October and How November? Oh. We haven't even told everybody about the Suspiria surprises. Oh, oh, the litany of no Suspiria one's surprises coming no up. No one. Everyone has two turned hours it in. off. Yeah, yeah. No one is listening <laughs> right now. <laughs> it's just us in an echo chamber. It is. It's us in our echo chamber. But listen, I would never want to be anywhere else. No. Love it or leave it, baby. I mean, you might say that, you might say we've addressed Suspiria, you know, in the our very first episode, even though it was just a trailer, <laughs> in our review episode, in our follow-up review episode with Colin Drucker, um, and now in this episode. But And I guess we have mentioned it 
at least five or six times throughout the history of this podcast, right? Since we saw it, it's probably at least been mentioned every third episode, if not every other episode. Potentially every episode. Potentially every episode we mentioned it. And now 52 episodes of Gaylords of Darkness, (laughs) aka one year of content. You know, what can you say? We should be so lucky to be affected by a piece of art so much, right? Mm-hmm. It's true. In this workaday world, something new that comes out? As workaday women in this workaday <laughs> world. We could make several episodes that are just us saying Suspiria. Out of all the times we've said Suspiria. I mean, that's basically what today's episode is. <laughs> Kind of. I, there's nobody listening to this, right? Like, there's a freedom in it of, like, no one's listening to this. Because at this point, there's zero expectations. It is just us and our best friend's sister wife. Um, <laughs> yeah. Together, we are the three mothers, right? <gasps> we be you and Suspiria. Yeah, We're the there three you go. mothers. I love it. I love it. It makes me so I happy. Love- I love Suspiria. So the instance of threes in this movie, mm-hmm. I also want to talk about. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> maybe thought about this. Perhaps a, um, how does she do it? <laughs> Man, I love Tilda as, Tilda as Helena Marcos. How does she do that? She, speaking of having the time of your life, like that little Hannibal Lecter moment that she has, where she's Over like, <laughs> and then she like laughs. Oh my, oh my god, I love Helena Marcos. Listen, I have never felt more seen by a queen in my life. <laughs> so I love, I love watching this and seeing like, okay, was that when we see the full on face in the beginning? the The opening of this movie kills me. Oh my god. I, I mean. I, the Patricia opening is good, but I'm 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 referring to like the almost the mini music video back in Ohio. It's so beautiful, meticulously shot, composed. meticulously shot, insane. <laughs> it's like the beauty of the mundane nature of life. <sighs> right, it's just these worn objects around this house. Worn people. Worn people, the sadness to it. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I'm so intrigued by Susie's sister. Maybe because she's just another Susie. I don't know. But I see (laughs) I mean, you got a twofer right there. (laughs) I got two Dakota Johnsons, okay? Uh, But I see the sister, and I know that we're not supposed to know it's the sister, and that it's Dakota Johnson. But that is... When we but see we the full-on face, that is the twin sister, right? That's Susie's twin sister. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought we only saw the back of her head or her hair. We see but... her in profile, and she's got her hands. She's, like, rubbing her forehead, kind of. Like, in three shots, we see this. Yeah, we see her. And you know and what's s- interesting is that she's... I don't... We don't know who the other women are. You Maybe they're... You assume they're daughters also, but we don't know for sure. But we know who Susie's sister is. She's not tending to the mother. The other ones are mm-hmm. washing her, 
and covering her and all this. And Susie's sister is not. Yeah. And we assume Susie is gone at this point. Susie's gone. Yeah. Susie is on that plane or in the, mm-hmm. the, the U-Bahn going to Berlin. Ugh, and the way it fades to the subway where we see Susie and the title is just like in the scene oh rather than God, like a title screen. It's so nice. It's so, so nice. fucking nice. So I'm assuming, did you count how many sisters Susie has in that, in that, in that um, scene where the flashback scene of young Susie when they're doing, they're supposed to be studying America, and Susie's drawing the lines, like the very folk outfit kind of lines coming down from Berlin. Yeah, it's like, it's three of them, right? Yeah, there's three. Yeah. So there's three, something, I'm always like, this mystery of the three mothers, right? And then I can't help but think of the three daughters, her three sisters. Hmm. Is there a connection there? Just like, there's, um... There's kind of the three main witches in charge at the school, like between Blanc and Tanner. And then I, I guess the third after that would be, well, oh, Marcos. Marcos, yeah. Yeah, Marcos, Blanc, and, and Tanner. Um, so there, it's so interesting to me, all these instances of threes that show up. And I, I keep wondering, like, do the three mothers actually exist in this film? Right. And we're only just seeing... That's always your question. And I yeah. never, I never I have an answer. I, I don't, don't know, man. Does her sister have it? Like, is her sister one of... Like, I don't is, know. She could be, right? Is her mom... because? And then there's the fact that her mother also... Like, Susie's... The actor that plays Susie's mom also plays that death character at the end. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, is is Susie's mom the mother of darkness, and is her twin sister the mother of tears? Like, what, mm. what is, what is happening in this family? And I need yeah. answers. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, that's always so been many... a sticking point for you, and I've never. I get hung up on it just because I want, I want to know, and that's if anything, that's why I want more in this series or more of the Suspiria verses because I want to know everything about the three mothers and who they are. You know, I want right. to see this world fleshed out even more so. Yeah. Um, and then this time I did tune in to in Patricia's notebook. She talks about three categories too. There's, uh, she wrote time, strength, and space. These are the elements that make dance alive. And then at one point later in the journal, she addresses, I think she's, instead of strength, she she substitutes strength with gravity. So it's time, gravity, and space. And she aligns those with like Blanc and with the other witches. Hmm. That's interesting because Blanc is talking about how Susie needs to fight gravity. Yeah, 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 yeah. How they all need to fight it. Mm Hmm. Hmm. Even though Susie feels the pull to, um, she feels the pull of gravity. Right. So I'm like, are time and, are these elements of the three mothers? Are they, are they, <laughs> you know, I'm trying, I just, I feel like it has to be so intentional. Yeah. It could uh, just be sprinklings of hints too. Yeah. On what's to come. Just like not, not necessarily thing of- things that are answered in this film, but just... Who knows how many seeds are planted right before our eyeballs. Yeah. Because, I mean, Luca's original intention was this was Suspiria Part 1. Right. Oh, God. Man, just thinking of what could have been, right? <laughs> what could be still. Could be. 
will never happen. But if we keep pushing at it, <laughs> we keep saying it, right? If we put it on our vision boards, can't Oprah fund it? She has so much money, she wouldn't miss anything, right? Yep. She can be one of the mothers. I don't care. She's a good actor. Yeah, put some, replace the chicken wing with some bread. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Uh, Stacy, do we have a last listener question today? Um, we do, actually. One last question. And that is, out of all of the Cenobites, which one is your favorite? That's a question from Miller. <laughs> <laughs> which one is your favorite, Stacy? Helena Marcos. <laughs> she's basically Butterball. Oh, my she's, God. She's Butterball. Yeah, exactly. But then Susie is also kind of um, throat vagina Cenobite. Oh, that's true. When she opens up her chest. So really, you've got two Cenobites in this film. I love Susie Banyan. Man, I'm going to have to go with Marcos. That was my favorite scene of I know yeah. that I realized she really is Butterball. It's the exact same design. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. That is so funny. Yeah. So there you go. Wow. 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 <sighs> I feel, I just feel, um, I feel open again. Oh, clever. You know? Thank you. Thank you. Thank Very you. clever. I heard I heard hints of uh, a Suspiria announcement, a series of Suspiria announcements in our in this our fifty second Suspiria episode. <laughs> I can't believe I honestly can't believe this has turned into just a Suspiria episode. Like, it, listeners, who am I talking to? Uh, <laughs> there's nobody out there. Um, but when we originally envisioned an anniversary episode, it was gonna be like an anniversary mishmashy. Free for all. Free for all, crazy, like, look back at the year, et cetera, et cetera. And then it was like, okay, but we are going to talk about Suspiria a little bit. We'll mention it, maybe. And we'll have the questions. And then I watched Suspiria. And the spirit came over me. Yep. And here we are, two hours, and we're just (laughs) only talked about Suspiria. That's fucking insane. Listen, we know what we like, and it's Suspiria, okay? My other car is a Suspiria. Listen, the bumper sticker is coming soon. <laughs> That's one announcement we are There's gonna one announcement. It's one announcement. We are going to have those bumper stickers. We will for sure be uh, announcing it when they're good to go and where you can we, get them. Yes, we will keep you updated on where you can get your very own My Other Car is a Suspiria bumper <laughs> sticker. <laughs> so good we are Uh, venture capitalists god damn it we are um also if you look at your calendar you will see that october is almost upon us right which means well if you're listening to this the day it comes out or a couple days after i don't know if you're listening to this i don't know what if you even made it this far (laughs) if you made it this far god bless you like honestly but it's 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 our party and we'll cry if we want we'll to. We'll Suspiria, Suspiria if we want to. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but when this episode uh, goes out for the first time, October is but a few days away, 
Which means that at Final Girl, my website, finalgirl.rocks. I've heard of it. <laughs> it's it's nothing important, but it's a place where I write some stuff and have <laughs> been writing your stuff. Mouth. <laughs> have been writing stuff for like 15 years. Can you yeah. believe that? Like I've been following it the whole time. Oh, that since I was since I was uh, uh, a spry uh, life begins at conception toadstool. Um, <laughs> since you were sapling, yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate that. That's nice. Not a toadstool. What are those called? The t- tadpole. Wow. I'm amphibian. Okay. Uh, since then, <laughs> yeah. So final girl dot rocks. Um, the, October means shocktober. Yeah. In the years that I do celebrate Shocktober, I do something every day for the month. I post, like, I've done movie reviews every day, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's this, a gauntlet. It's a gauntlet. It's an endurance test for me. It's an endurance test for readers, quite frankly. <laughs> um, but this year, I am doing 31 Days of Suspiria. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> so excited on the website now do i have 31 days mapped out no of course not what am i gonna do it could be there's gonna be so like it can be anything maybe just one day i'll talk about a specific shot in the movie maybe one day i'll talk about a specific scene maybe one day i'll talk about this idea like you know the movie as a love story or the or the political allegory or whatever i have no fucking idea what i'm going to do but i'm doing something <laughs> that's about... always a great plan going in <laughs> it works you know what it's worked for me for all 82 years of my life so yep this is how we do. Uh, all I know is that Shocktober is literally going to be 31 days of Suspiria. There will be something new on the site every day about Suspiria. Finalgirl.rocks. Uh, does she, though? She does. <laughs> I think she does. <laughs> um, I think she does. Yeah, 31 days of Suspiria. And then, uh, as we all know, uh, Suspiria was originally released in the United States on November 2nd, 2018. And so on November 2nd, 2019, to mark the one-year anniversary, we, the Gaylords of Darkness, are putting out a Suspiria zine. Oh, my God. Um, It sounds so amazing to hear it out loud, because it's just been like this this thing in the ether. It's been in the ether. It's been in our Mooter house for so long. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, the floors are darkness, baby. Um... (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a zine, and it's not just us though. We have assembled uh, an Avengers-like team of gay Avengers to write Honestly. about about this movie, or to produce something, some kind of work of art about this movie. Basically, the zine is a love letter to Suspiria from a small group, a zine group. Zingrupa. Of, Zingrupa of homos. Yeah, because big, this, old, big old homos. Big fags. Um, this movie is so deeply queer. It is by a queer director. And it just feels like it's our movie, kind of. Like, I know, was, I know some straight people who love it, but... It was made for us, and it was made, honestly, it was made by us. Yeah. And so this, it's a... This it's is a, our FUBU. This is... <laughs> Susu. <laughs> Susu. 
Yeah, so the zine is going to be, I've, I'm, you know, it will be revealed who's involved, but it's a very small group of homos who are producing writing, artwork, all kinds of stuff, a love letter to Suspiria. It's going to be limited edition handmade copies. Oh, my God. Um, I have a vision. I'll be assembling that. I have some ideas about how I would like it to look. It is going to be limited hard copies, and then it will be available on PDF for people to purchase. It is going to be incredible. It's going to be gorgeous. I I know some of the things Stacy is planning for how this visually is going to look. Uh, and I cannot wait to just clutch this to my chest vagina. Me too. Yeah. And it, all just my gonna, vaginas are all of them. Be clutching it. All uh, of them. Just legion. Just right there. Singing me to sleep. Signing <laughs> me to sleep every night. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's just like, I just wanted to do something with my love for this movie besides just talk about it all the time, I guess, and have how many episodes of this show. But I felt the need to make something that you could hold with your vagina. (laughs) 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 You know? Honestly, there is a, that is a whole market that is just ignored. Is. It is. It's we call that the darling Nikki market. <laughs> Remember that song? Yes, Remember that it's my Prince favorite song. Prince song. She masturbated with a magazine. Like, girl, how many paper cuts did you endure? <laughs> my God. Yeah. So I mean, if you want to buy a hard copy of it and do your darling Nikki cosplay with it, like that's up to you. Yeah. It will be super that, limited. We're talking. Home. We're actually, we already figured it out. There's going to be 19 copies. It's going to be a limited run of 19. Because? Because there are 19 witches in the company. Mm-hmm. So. Including like I, Paula. Incl- <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, um, it'll also be on PDF. But, yeah. And we'll be, obviously, or at least I will. I don't know about Anthony. But I'll be chatting it up on all the social medias. I will as well. When it's available. Facebook.com slash Gaylords of Darkness. Twitter.com slash Gaylords of D. Um, and ch- Final Girl every day in October. That's finalgirl.rocks. Oh, that's going to be 31 new posts on Final Girl. <laughs> Can you believe it? I honestly cannot. And I <laughs> cannot wait. This yeah, is like my I'm my... My um, midi-chlorians are just flaring up, like, and I'm getting quite the rash thinking about being able to just check my favorite blog every single day and seeing oh, something new. That's awfully nice. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. yeah I, I told my, because I got to do something with Suspiria. Um, I told my mom about all these plans. I was like, yeah, and then Anthony and I are going to talk about it for our third Suspiria episode. And then I'm going to do the zine. And then I'm going to do 31 days on Final Girl. And she said, that all sounds great. But maybe after that, you can let it go. (laughs) (laughs) I love your mom. And I was like, oh, sweet girl. Sweet girl. <laughs> Can we talk about how Susie kills them with a with a kiss? Right. Uh, then, out of all and... the out of all the cruelties they have suffered, she releases them with like a little kiss, and then she cradles Sarah as she dies. She that's that that Pieta moment with Sarah is so mm-hmm. beautiful, and it's just 
like listen susie is a is a she is a dark goddess she is Mm -hmm. a witch mother um but i think even even with her ability to explode all the fascist heads and and reign terror you know in this in this bloody revolution which is what it is it's a revolution Mm -hmm. um the fact that you know even with Klimper, there's this element of of darkness of her stripping all of his memories away but also it's kind uh i think she is a benevolent to some extent dark goddess and she has a lot of she she brings an empathy that is sorely lacking from the witches of the past Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the company and what they've seen. And yeah. Yeah. She's the hands, man. She's the hands. Notice her mother burned the hand with the uh, iron. She's yep. diddling herself. Mm-hmm. <sighs> She's such a lesbian. Such a fucking dyke. <sighs> I love Suspiria. Well, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to Gaylords of Darkness. Uh, Happy birthday to anybody who's still listening. Thank you for making it through the gauntlet, the Suspiria Supersode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It really is. Well, we can't help it. You know, this was unexpected. Honestly, this episode today was completely unexpected, what we ended up just doing. So. Yeah. But it came from the heart. Or the place where our heart should be uh anyway season two i guess starts next week i don't know what we're doing but uh, we're talking about suspiria <laughs> <laughs> next week we'll be talking about suspiria and um, and as we gear up into our own gaylords shocktober we have even more announcements to come out to uh lots of exciting things to talk about we do I mean, we do. I can't. Wait. <laughs> I'm like, do I can't. we? <laughs> I'm like, we do. Uh, well, I guess we'll see what happens, right? But uh, thank, you, honestly, like you know, all jokes aside, which is hard for me because you know I like jokes to tell them anyway. Oh, uh, I thought you. Ha- I thought you hated laughter because you're a lesbian. Well, there is that. Yeah. Um. Uh. I do want to thank everybody for the last year. That, like, we have some amazing fucking listeners who are so supportive and so kind and sweet with their comments on, like, the face place and other places. Um, It's just been, like, uh, we started this show just, I don't know, for fun. And it's just become, like, my favorite thing to do. And I I love all the support that we get. And I'm glad that people enjoy it. Enjoy our fuckery because, you know, for a long time we didn't know what we were doing. And you could say we still don't, but also we do. But it's we're just uh, such a, an acquired taste or something. I don't know. And so I'm just glad that people have acquired our tastes. Yeah, it, it gives me hope for the world that people recognize our brilliance. But no, it's... Wow! It, it, no, it makes me... It, it, <laughs> it gives me... <laughs> It does give me hope that uh, that a weird horror podcast, queer horror podcast, um, that we've developed such a little following around this that we we made it into Room Morgue, um, and that 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 there is such a culture of of queer horror for the weirdos out there, um, and that for that we have weirdos. that we have like teenagers and their parents that listen to this, um, that we that. Our, our listeners like reach out to us and talk to us about like oh these are movies you guys should check out or like 
or like, oh my god, I love caftans too. Like it's it's right. just really yeah. awesome, and it it feels like we have a whole Gaylord's family. If I'm gonna get sappy about it, mm-hmm. and uh, to take something that like a lot of the world can tell us we're fucking weird for, um, and to find this whole place of community and 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 to still talk about masturbating while peeing on ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and to get to do all of that at the same time is just it's, it's radical it's really it's a privilege to have like any listeners at all to have like even one beyond like me when i'm editing it you know what i mean and so i'm just it's, i'm so we're so thankful especially two hours in so <laughs> yeah no shit so if any of them actually hear this little portion of gratitude but it's true so i mean i can't believe it's been a year already um I know that's nuts. That's nuts. So who knows? But thank you. And just wait, just wait for where season two takes you. It's gonna be. I guess you keep saying that, but it's gonna be something. We'll see. It'll be. (laughs) There'll be some episodes. Season two will be canceled. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Bye bye.